Okay, are we ready? I'm ready when you are. Okay, is everybody ready now? <laughs> In Mars Hill, the students, when you go to class, all your students, I don't want you all to do this, but the students rise and then they, you tell them to be seated and it helps them know it's the beginning of class. <laughs> so, so the conversations have to stop. The fellowship is so sweet, I hate to interrupt it, but let's get started this morning. I titled my talk, Cultivating Community. And cultivating, that word, just really fit for me. Um, are any of y'all on social media? Do you, are you friends with Tasha? She's my sister. She loves gardening. And I, when I think of the word cultivating, I think of what she does. Um, Cultivating is used a lot for gardening, for plant, you know, growing plants. And when you're cultivating, I don't know as much about it as she does, but um, like the soil, it's really important. You've got to break up the soil. It has to have the right nutrients, the right moisture level. It can't be too acidic um, or too basic. So, you know, you're planting, she's out there planting those seeds. She has a greenhouse now, so she's growing these little seedlings. And if you want some, she grows a lot to share. But uh, one thing, that they'll be weak. This little tender stalk will be weak unless, if it's too protected. So you've got to put a fan on it so that it kind of blows and strengthens the seedling before it's planted. And there's just so much that goes into the care to make that plant strong and to make it grow. And the verb also is used a lot of times to talk about applying oneself to improving or developing something. So if you could just take a minute and picture yourself out in that greenhouse, but the thing in your hand isn't a plant, but the growing thing is our community. The community is in our hands and we're taking care of it. What can we do to make this plant strong? What can we do to make our community stronger? How can we love it, care for it, protect it, and make it thrive and produce fruit? Maybe a better picture would be we are the soil of community. So this analogy really hit me. It might be corny now this morning in the light of day, but um, I just picture us. If you picture yourself as you're the soil and you ask yourselves, Am I ready? Do I have the right nutrients? Would a seed grow well in my soil? Would a little seedling be strengthened here in this soil of my life? So that's where I come up with the title, Cultivating Community. Um, that's kind of how I think about it. What I want to talk about are ways each of us can be that good, rich soil for community to grow. Okay, so the New Testament has so much to say. It's overwhelming if you begin to study just the New Testament alone, all the things that we're told about community, about life together, about fellowship. So I tried to pull out a few biblical principles um, to make us good soil. And so many of us have been here for ages. You can tell by the color of our hair how long we've been here. No, just kidding. 
That's just me. Um, so we've been here a long time. We've heard these teachings over and over. And you might think, what more could you tell me that I've not already heard? But I do think we might need to be refreshed at times. We might, over the years, develop bad habits that hinder us in, community, in building community. We might develop habits of mind or attitudes, and we just need a refreshing sometimes from the Lord to help us. Um, if you're kind of new to this concept and you're like, what are these people talking about living life together? I just want you to have a good foundation. I want you to have a good solid foundation to begin to grow. And maybe you'll avoid some pitfalls that some of us old pe- older people maybe hit. So that's why we're doing it. And before I start on my points, which I have five, who is it that likes the numbered points? Hi, I don't think I've met you. It's nice to meet you. Well, I tried. It's five points, but I really crammed a lot into each of those. So um, I want to say this. It might be one of the most important things I could say about today, say any, today. How well we cultivate our church life, our family, how well we cultivate it, it doesn't begin with outward works. It's not going to start with you taking a meal to someone in need or you having a Bible study. It starts in your mind and in your heart. That's the beginning place. So a lot of what I talk about, it's not you need to do more. You need to do one, two, and three, and don't go to bed then. you got to do more. It's not about the doing. It starts in your heart and in your mind. And if you're off in your heart and your mind and your understanding, it will really hinder you, and it really can wear you out. If you're trying to live a life you don't really understand correctly from the Lord, and I don't want you all to be worn out or frustrated. So... The first principle, number one, if you're taking notes, is we need to understand and be clear on what community is and what it isn't. Billy gave us some definitions last night. I'm not going to go over that, but I want to talk about what's the source of community. And he did hit on this, so I apologize if I repeat stuff. Um, But some of you missed it, so that'll be good. Um, Community, or life together is based in the nature of God, who is three in one. It's really who God is. It wasn't our idea. The CF churches did not come up with this. It is something that is for all Christians, and it's not even an optional part of Christianity. So living life together is a part of God, and it's, does that make sense? Does that point make sense? And there are various ways people do this across the globe. Um, There are various ways people live life together. But I just don't want you to think this is, oh, our church's thing. Okay? This is God's thing. Okay, the Bible, like I said, is so full of admonitions. I just want to take our key scripture for the weekend. And I failed to, I think I sent it in an email. But what Billy read last night from Acts 2, that's our key scripture for the weekend. And... um, It's there in the book of Acts. And I want to just quickly give the backstory. We just had Easter last weekend, so it's perfect timing. But I know not everybody, most people are familiar with this, but just in case you aren't. So Jesus was crucified. 
Then he was resurrected, and he told his disciples, go wait in Jerusalem, wait for my Holy Spirit to come. This is a shortened version. So they did, they obeyed. In obeying Jesus, that put them on the same road. They were headed to Jerusalem. They gathered in an upper room. There were about 120 people there, and they were praying and waiting on God to speak. The Holy Spirit came. They began to preach, speak in native tongues to other people, and people heard the gospel and were saved. And about 3,000 people were added. So this is where this verse comes into play. Here you have a bunch of people who've heard this message of Jesus and received him, accepted him. And it says, these people, this 3,120 people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So it's important to know that what we, when we talk about life together or community, it begins, the source of it is, when each one of you individually connects to Jesus and you begin to obey him. That brings you together. If God's telling everybody the same thing, of course, it makes sense to me. Then you're all going to be together because you're each one individually knowing Jesus and obeying him. And he brings you together. So it says all who believed were together and had all things in common. So when we connect with Jesus, we're added to a family on one another people. This is really important. If we come together um, but aren't connected to him, we're in a club. Okay, or possibly a cult. Um, We aren't in what I'm talking about when I say a community or a Christian community. There are other kinds of communities. But what I'm talking about, you can't connect through your good works. You can't connect to it through your personality, your giftings, um, common interests. So you really have to connect to Jesus. So you might be a person, because I don't know everybody in the room, you might be a person who really enjoys the love you feel in the church. So you might be coming because these are really neat people, and you may feel loved and accepted. But if you haven't yet decided that you're really going to have Jesus as the Lord of your life, you're missing out, and you really need to connect with him so you can really be adopted into the family of God and experience the joy. So just throwing that out there. Protect that connection with Jesus, okay? Um, let's see. I just want to pull out some other observations really quickly. Look at the state of the mind of, the mind of these believers next. The purpose of their life totally changed. They now have a common purpose given to them by God. Um, devoted to the teachings, eating together, praying together, fellowshipping. And it says they were, I want to look at their mental state. They were in awe. They were witnessing signs and wonders. It says they had glad and generous hearts. They were praising God together. And in in some of the results, they had favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily. So I just want to say, 
it strikes me that this community was not a hardship. This was a natural outflow of the life they received when they received Jesus. They didn't have a list of rules. Um, Everybody's got to do this. Everybody's got to do that. When they began to obey Jesus, they had great joy and it put them side by side working together. And they were enjoying Christ together. And the love just kind of overflowed. I don't think they had a rule. If you join our community, you have to give all your money away and help these poor people. We're taking up a collection for Susie. Because she's, it wasn't like that. It seemed like here at the beginning when the Holy Spirit came, it just was a natural outflow. Because, um, let's see. Okay, so that's kind of where community, the source of community. And then I did want to say what community is not. I'm probably just repeating myself, but using different words. We're a Christ uh, Bonhoeffer. Many of you have read Life Together. I know we've done it in some discipleship houses. We're a Christ-centered community, not a mere association of people with a common purpose. It's different than just having a common purpose. There are chess clubs that are intense that have a common purpose, um, and they're not a Christ-centered community. So I hope this isn't confusing, but sometimes we mistake means of community with the community itself or the fellowship. Let me use the word fellowship because that's the Bible word. There are some really good ways to spend time together and like going out for coffee, shopping together, chatting before church, doing entertainment together. Billy mentioned game night. Game night's a great way to spend time together. I highly recommend spending as much time as you possibly can together. Those are all good things. Because it brings you together, and you get a chance to get to know each other better, and it kind of promotes unity to be together. But to be clear, when the Bible talks about koinonia, that kind of fellowship, it's sharing the life of Christ together and building the kingdom together. And those things are giving yourselves to the teaching of the word, prayer together, breaking bread. I'm glad eating made it to the list. (laughs) Eating is a spiritual thing. And it counts. <laughs> um, meeting each other's needs. That's a spiritual act. Showing hospitality, worship together, evangelism, discipleship, um, reminding each other of the gospel and urging others on in their faith. All of those things are those things are the actual fellowship in the life of Christ together. You can do that on a coffee date. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with coffee. I want you to go to coffee together. But... Sometimes I think there's a possibility that we get so busy with those activities or those means of community, means of fellowship, that we neglect the connection to our head, Jesus. Or we might neglect the deeper fellowship, the true koinonia with other believers. So if you find yourself in relationships where it kind of stays on the surface and you think, I'm doing church. I've spent five nights this week hanging out with Christian people in church. You, you just will find life will feel a little bit more empty. It's like eating empty calories. If you're not really sharing in the life of Christ with each other, you're missing out. So I'm not giving you a law or anything. I hope you don't feel that way. I'm, this is how to make that good soil. Really understand what you're doing when you're doing it. What is true community? What is true fellowship? Um, and keep it clear in your mind. Okay. Now, any questions on that point? If I confuse you, ask Brenda. She'll straight up. 
She'll answer all questions. Okay. All right. Um, now I want to shift into the next point. So in Acts, I told you it seems so natural. It just was a natural outflow of the Holy Spirit coming. Um, but as time went on, as you read the New Testament, we start to see that the believers had to be taught. They had to be taught how to walk together, especially Paul. So much in his epistles saying how to treat one another, how to love one another, how to get along, how to be unified. And again, I want to note that it begins in your heart. And I'm making up this word. It begins with the, your perceiver, your perception of your brother and your sister. To be that good soil, to cultivate community, it, it matters how you're perceiving your brother and sister. And then the disposition of your heart and mind will bear fruit in your words and your actions. Does that make sense? Okay. So the second point is become a safe place. Be approachable and build trust. Become a safe place. Be approachable and build trust. I love this verse. Romans 15, 7 says, Welcome one another as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. Um, Christ welcomed us. Open arms. And for us to cultivate community and be that good soil, we need to welcome one another. Do you have a sense when you hear the word welcome? Just get this warm, open, safe feeling. And many of you can probably think, someone in your life who's, who's been there for you. You go to their house and you relax and you just enjoy Christ together. Um, so how can we do this? Let's look at Ephesians. This, I've, this is around 425 and then I pick up again in 429 if you're trying to um, write this stuff down. It says in 425, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And here's the really good part. Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So I'm going to pull out just a few thoughts from this, these scriptures. Words, one point is words are really important. If you want to be a safe place for people and you want to be approachable, your words matter how you talk to each other. Build each other up. Don't slander or tear down. Be compassionate This is really important. Be patient and forgive faults. And there is that part about speaking the truth in love. And I just want to define speaking in love, speaking the truth in love with two ways. First, it can be non-judgmental, loving correction. Non-judgmental, loving correction. Just you, as you would lovingly correct a precious child that you care for. That's how we can be with each other when we have built the trust to do this. Okay? I'm not saying go around and do it willy-nilly. But as you 
develop that safe place around you. It doesn't even have to be, you, this doesn't matter. This, doesn't, this is true at any age. Single women, married women, retired women. Wherever you go, you can have this bubble. It's like you carry your home around you. People come into your presence, they can feel, I'm in a safe place. This person is approachable. I can be me. I can talk. So speaking the truth in love means if you give correction, it's non-judgmental loving correction. But number two, or sorry, you have to get on to me. I'm messing up. The second... The second underlying point under speaking the truth in love is please be real with your own struggles. Please be real with your own struggles. If you are always perfect, it puts a false pressure on those around you to be perfect too. None of us are perfect. God has given some of us. He didn't necessarily evenly give out ability. Um, And that's on purpose. That's not anything to be ashamed of or worried about. We're all a little different. So just be real with your own struggles. They might not be the same as your sister's struggles, but if you're real, it will help them feel comfortable and like you're you're approachable. Okay. Okay. In a nutshell, I could have just said, be humble like Christ. If you want to be a safe, approachable, if you want to create this good, safe soil that people can grow and thrive in, be humble like Christ. I think I have so much scripture I want to read, but do you all know that passage? Well, I'm going to read it. I'm sorry. I'm just going to do it. This is worth it. It's the word of God. It's better than anything I can say. So therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Okay, I'll stop there. If we are humble, like Christ, we will naturally avoid divisive behaviors like gossip, selfish ambition, the need to prove what we know. Um, And I think this is important as we add, as well, we don't do it, as God adds people to our fellowship, they're not going to be just like us. And I think humility will keep you from either being intimidated by somebody who seems like they've got it more together than you. It'll also help you to not be judgmental of people that are different than you. So humility really will help us, especially as we continue to grow and we're not all the same. So hope that point makes sense. And now we're going to move to the next thing, number three, which is to receive and give love. Receive and give love. And this is receiving from love from God and loving him back, but also receiving love from people 
and loving them in return. First Peter 1 4 8 says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, and I'm going to add from God, use it to serve one another as good stewards of, of stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So from that scripture, I've taken that we need to love each other earnestly. We need to have genuine affection for each other. And if you are lacking in this, I have good news. If you just have trouble, lack, you know, you don't have true affection, genuine affection. Jesus is happy to help you. He will fill your heart with affection for each other. Um, pray. Spend, if you have somebody that you don't feel like you have genuine affection for, that's the person to spend more time praying for. And before you know it, you will have the love of Jesus in your heart for them. Also, you can just humble your heart. It could be something off in you that keeps you from truly appreciating and loving them. And pray some more. Um, so that's, Jesus is going to help you with that. It's okay. Just pray and ask him to help you. I want to say we all need to delight in one another. God is able to delight in us while he sees all of our imperfections. He takes, we are know from scripture, he takes great delight in us and we need to be the same with others. And I think we need to see each other from God's perspective. I say sometimes we need to look at each other through eyes of faith. You need to put on your glasses, your faith glasses, and look at your sister, look at your brother, look at your husband, look at your child through the eyes of faith. Okay? See what God is making your friend into. Look at the finished product. C.S. Lewis says none of us are mere mortals. We are creatures of God, children of God. When you approach your home group member, your friend, you're not just talking to a mere mortal. This is an immortal soul, something, someone God created, a child of God. Look at them how God sees them, his end product that he has in mind, and it will really help you get through some difficult times and relationships, and it will help them. It's really good soil. If we do that for each other, imagine. That's how I want people to see me. Look at me how God means for me to be, and pray to get me to that end, you know? Okay. Another point that I'm pulling out from this scripture is receive first they, first, they received a gift from God. And they didn't all get the same gift. I just want to say, we are not cookie-cutter women. I don't think we're supposed to be. Um, not from what I read in Scripture. We're given different gifts. And even the way that I connect to the body, even the way I do community life, might look different than some of you. We each have different circumstances in our lives. So that's really okay. That's meant to be. And so don't put pressure on yourself to do everything just like Brenda does it. 
don't put pressure on yourself to make a list of all things you have to do. That doesn't mean you don't imitate. Imitate the heart of what she's doing, but you don't have to imitate all the works that she's doing because you might have different giftings. And so don't put pressure on yourself, but don't be quick to judge others who look different than you in the way they're connecting with the body. Um, just don't be quick to judge on that because there's, we don't all have to look the same. We don't all have to wear blue jumpers and, you know, that's an old joke from the old days. I just like the blue jumper. It was comfortable, but that's what I'm wearing. Anyway, that's a joke for the old timers, but okay. So I want to tell you, God will be glorified as we each meet with him and then pour out that love that he's given to us, to others that we're walking with. And this is kind of cheesy. But when I picture it in my mind, I think God is sewing together a quilt. Have any of you made quilts? Yeah, that, they're different pieces. They look, they're different looking pieces that are stitched together in a quilt. He's making a quilt, not a comforter, that looks uniform on cross. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Okay. Um, moving on. Be aware. This is number four. Um, this is acknowledging a difficulty with this life. Just be aware that fear and pride will hinder you from what you're hoping to accomplish, what you're hoping to cultivate. If you have fear and pride in your soil, which we all really have some of that, but the more you have of that, it's going to make it hard for community to grow. And I don't think any of us in here are perfect yet. So I'm just saying, let's be aware of some of these pitfalls. And I'm just going to name a few common fears that I've heard over the years or experienced myself over the years. Sometimes we as women feel a need to protect our own nest. We get concerned that if we really give our lives to this community, our kids may miss out on something. They won't necessarily have the best life if I do this. They might miss out educationally or socially. Um, and I've seen sometimes, if you get really caught up in the fear, sometimes if you're a wife or a mother, your husband might be trying to lead you in a direction, but you're scared. And you might, it might uh, distance you from that community because you're, so, you're worried. And um, so it's hard for you to give yourself to it. Another fear is I might not have enough energy if I take care of others. I'm going to run out before I get, well, one of mine was I'll never get my garage clean. It's a mess. So everything seems to, you know, there are needs in the body. And I'll be like, I'm going to clean my garage that day. And like something comes up. And one time God told me, I care, God said, I care a lot more about that eternal being than I do about the state of your garage. So my priority was off, and he's fixed that. Um, I think about the widow in the Old Testament who just had enough oil and flour. You know, she could just make enough for herself. She was so scared because she didn't have any more to give. But then God met her need, and she never ran out. So sometimes we have that fear, though. Another fear might be, if I really go deep here, I'm going to be known more, and I may be judged I don't think I'm the same as everybody, and I don't really want to show that. 
They may think poorly of me. This is another one. I was guilty of this in school. You know the group project mentality? This is more on the pride side. Has anybody had to do a group project in school? I hated those. Always got stuck with people that didn't really want to work. And I had the thought, I could do this better on my own if they would just leave me alone and let me do it. And I don't really need them. They're just going to hold me back. Well, I think that group mentality project can seep in even into community. Um, Or you might be too embarrassed to show you really need help, that you're not really able to do everything on your own. You want to be seen as strong and capable. And if you have a hard time letting people serve you, it could be a little bit of pride there that you are concerned about not seeming strong and capable. If any of you are in here or any of you in here human, you might have some selfishness if you are. Um, you just just don't want to, you're going to be asked, I think Billy talked about like, you know, um, having to lay down your life to love others. I mean, there are, sometimes there are things that we're called, it's costly to take. I think of it kind of like if you have a lot of kids, if you have a big family, the more kids you have, the more work you have to do, but your joys are also multiplied. It's very joyful. But of course, there's some extra cost. You have to get a bigger car, you know, more laundry to wash. So it is costly, um, but anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I read this excerpt to my home group several years ago, maybe three years ago or two years ago. This guy from Christianity Today, he was a, the editor for several years. He kind of talked about, he, I'm going to read this passage to you. He's way more eloquent than I could ever be. And it's his self-revelation, his self-awareness of his internal struggle with really truly being in fellowship in the body. So listen to this. I think you'll like it. He said, I have been suckled since infancy on the metaphor of the social contract. We are individuals first who then band together when it serves our self-interest. The community exists to help me self-actualize. I take it or leave it, depending on whether it helps me do that. So I never really commit to community. My lifelong participation in the church seems to belie that. But I have learned the fine art of participating without fully being present, of doing a flurry of work for the church, but hiding my deeper self from others. I never get deeply involved in the lives of others because, well, that just complicates my life. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living community. (laughs) A little allusion to famous sermon. I'd like to think that I can manage my life on my own. Just a little help from my friends. As long as I keep my emotional distance. My primary identity, I like to imagine, is wrapped up in my gifts and talents and unique characteristics as if the essence of my being the I making is the sorry as if the essence of my being is the I making the we of community a nice add-on but not necessary but the truth is that the core of my identity lies not in my individuality 
And he created humankind, male and female, he created them. And thus, human existence is pictured as triune, man, woman, God. This is a picture of human community into which God has created us. Though fragmented and broken at this stage in history, it is nonetheless the community to which we are again headed. Blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. I just thought he said that so well. Um, so, I just want to share that with you. I've mentioned several pitfalls based in pride or fear. If you notice these things in your heart, don't be surprised and don't be harsh with yourself. If your friend comes to you struggling with this, don't be harsh with your friend. Just circle back to the beginning. It all begins with your connection to Jesus. Go back to him. Spend some time with him. Do you trust him? Can you hear him? Just obey what he's telling you to do step by step. Sometimes you might need to ask your friends. You may be being too hard on yourself. And you are actually in a season that you really need to withdraw. Even Jesus would go away sometimes at night by himself to pray. So there are legitimate times that we need to pull back and focus on the Lord and have private time with him. So if you're feeling these thoughts and you're condemning yourself, maybe check with a friend. It could be a legitimate time to pull back and not really be a pride or fear issue. Okay. Point number five. It's another mental thing. Okay. How can you cultivate community? Make sure everything's right in your mind and heart. I say be encouraged. And I mean, if you walk around feeling encouraged about this, you are going to be great soil for community to grow. If you walk around discouraged and feel beaten down and under, you know, under pressure, you won't be good soil for anything to grow in. You'll be too acidic or something. Um, so I want you to feel supported, confident, and hopeful about this way of life. God wants you to feel encouraged. We need courage to live this kind of life because it is costly. Um, you will sell, you'll sell all to get it, but you gain a priceless pearl. And I was thinking of a couple of parables Jesus shares in Matthew. It's in Matthew 13, 44 and 45. There's the first parable of the hidden treasure. Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. And then, as if that weren't enough for Jesus to say, he tells us again the same message in another parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought it. We, the kingdom of God is another synonym for community. It's another, the kingdom of God is the place, the group of people where God reigns as king, where Jesus reigns as king. So really this is talking to us directly. When we, 
we are getting, we're not upset about selling all we had. We got what we wanted, which was this pearl. We got that hidden treasure. It was totally worth it to sell everything else. And that's how I want you to feel encouraged um, today about community. It's worth the cost of laying everything down. One thing living life like this brings is joy. I love Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the beard. Running down on the beard of the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes, it is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. There is great joy and blessing when brothers live together in unity. So it brings joy. Living this lifestyle brings refreshment. Uh, Brenda shared a couple of quotes with me. Um, and I had to ask Chad how to pronounce this, this word. And then I had to write it phonetically so I could remember. Has anyone heard of the Didache? It's like an early church writing, Aurora. Um, it, it was uh, written, I think, primarily to Jewish Christians around from 80 to 140 AD. Um, and this is a quote from it. It says, every day seek out the faces of the saints so that you may be refreshed by their words. So it brings refreshment our life together. The next one um, is it brings maturity. Life, living life this way will bring maturity to you and others. And I think in our churches, we've focused heavily on this point, on the maturity point. And it's really a good point. Um, so I think about babies. Babies, they're so squishy and cute. I want more of them in my life. Um, But if Michaela has a baby and she brings it to me and it's cute on year one and year two, if it doesn't mature, I'd be like, well, who should I tell or something? And year three, it's still, you know. I... Do you understand what I mean? Like, maturity is a really good thing. Sometimes I feel like it's a scolding. We need to mature. We need to grow up. I think a lot of people take it kind of negatively. But it's a good thing. It's scary when your baby doesn't mature right. You you know, when the normal growth signs, when you don't develop into an adult, there's something not right, not according to plan. So maturity, we need to not think of it negatively anymore. It's really good and life-giving. And so, you know, the Ephesians scripture 4, 1 through 16, Paul talks about, um, he talks about, I'm just going to read it. I, therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that, be- that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Skipping down, and he gave the apostles and prophets, evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves 
and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So life together, when we get pressed together, we can really help each other mature and grow up into what we're supposed to be. So that's a great thing to be encouraged about, that we will gain maturity as we walk this life. Also, another thing, life like this together, Christ's presence and power is multiplied among us. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. There I am among them. Ignatius was an early church father. He around 105 AD, he said, For when you assemble frequently in the same place, the power of Satan are destroyed. The powers of Satan are destroyed. Let the assembling together be a frequent occurrence. So his presence and his power are multiplied when we're together. Um, and we've already talked about how it's the best witness. Just as people see our love for one another, they'll know that Christ is Jesus was really the Son of God. They'll be saved. And we, we've talked about that one a lot. So those are kind of my five encouragements about how to be good soil, how to grow and cultivate community. Um, and, and I just, I'm finishing up, and then we'll give you a break. Um, I was talking to Chad a little bit about this, and he just pointed out that different times in history have called for different expressions of Christian community. He mentioned after the fall of Rome, you know, in order for Christians to get together, God led them to, they met, like, they formed monasteries, and people got together in order to form community. Um, during, I mentioned Bonhoeffer, during communism, they had unique ways of building community. They had some really intense life together in one home, like actually living together. Here at the CF churches, we have home groups um, and other things that we do to have life together. What we really need to do is to pray for the creative help of the Holy Spirit to find ways in our current time in our current situation, just to stick together, to form connections and to be, live life together. It's a little different now than in the 70s, 80s. You, you need to be creative and meeting the Holy Spirit on how God wants you to do it more and more. Um, just over the years, Billy mentioned some of the ways we've done this. Um, and I'll mention them again, but you're going to hear testimonies from these ladies and get to hear their life stories. Some of the things, ways God's called them to knit together with others. Um, but things like, you know, hospitality with each other and home groups and doing education together and extracurriculars together and outreach and prayer and service together, discipleship houses. Even when people get date and get married, they kind of do it openly and knit together with the you know, people in the body where they're walking through it with others. Um, our church meetings is a way for us to to um, be together. So there are many options, but just pray for the Holy Spirit to give you creative insight on how you can do it. Um, as you listen to this morning, Brenda's gonna talk, and then in the afternoon, in the evening, 
you're going to hear some more of the story from, from some more ladies. I want you to listen for inspiration. Open your ears and just try to take away one thing, one way. Oh, I bet I could do that. Or, or that sparks an idea where you can connect more. So I'm going to give you two questions. I meant to do this at the beginning. Um, we're going to have a, after Brenda speaks, we're going to break down into our churches. Um, I guess LCF, you have the most people, so you could meet in here later when it's time. It's not time right now. But some people could meet out there, and we need a third option. Anyway, we'll figure that out later. But two questions. I'm going to give you the questions now so that you're ready to quickly share when you get together in your church groups. Really simple. Number one, what are some ways that we are really living life together in your own experience? Share from your own experience. Just let's encourage each other with how we're really doing this already so much. So think about a way that you're already doing it, maybe how your home group does it, and that will inspire other people to hear. And secondly, maybe what's one way or one area of life that we could add to that, one way we could live together more fully. So one thing you're already doing well, and maybe an idea or an area of life where we connect even better. Do those two questions make sense? Okay. So let me pray for us, and then I'm going to give you a bathroom break. I don't know how long that was, but hopefully y'all are okay. Um, And then after, we'll just make it a quick break, take 10 minutes, and then come back, and Brenda's going to share with us. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your mercy and your grace toward us. And we don't think we're deserving or we've earned anything with you, but we receive you with open arms. And... We receive this word as your loving care for us. And teach us, Lord, teach us to live heaven on earth. Teach us to live here on earth like it is in heaven. um, In obedience to you and in connection with each other. Father, I pray for our conversations as the rest of the weekend goes on. That we would build each other up and encourage one another. um, Remind each other of the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, I thought that was going wrong.